What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode four of the Moby Theory Show. This episode is a, another old one from a couple of years ago. I was talking to my good friend Tom Ashton. Again, too good not to keep on this rebooted version of the podcast. So I hope you enjoy it. So yeah, but I mean, there's yeah, there's um, there's a I, I work with a bunch of guys over in Atlanta. There's a band called Entertainment over there. Um, these guys last night called Vision Video. They're from Athens, and you know, doing really well with their sort of online promotion really well, you know, like they're, you know, really taking advantage of, of what you can do self-promotion wise using the internet correctly, you know, as opposed to just right. crossing your fingers at people. <laughs> right. We were, we were, Reed and I were talking about this with our, another, you met Tom Cheek way back when, and we were just talking about that, you know, sort of the differences between, leaning on a label and just like sitting well not that you sat back but just kind of relying on their efforts and now a lot of it is in your hands you know to... very very much so yeah i mean it literally went out when we were signed to labels it was all you know you literally just held up your hand and said right you lot get on with it yeah and um, we go out we write the stuff and and we'll be at you know in area a when required <laughs> area b yeah. when maybe yeah yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> and um and let them get on with it yeah that's what, that's what i guess that's what they took them you know that's what they took their money for you know yeah <laughs> did you read are you yeah are you oh sorry i just want to confirm you're good i'm here can you guys hear me <laughs> yes, yes. nice to meet you tom yeah um just yeah, good to meet you too. yeah um kind of jumping in like right in the middle of that conversation so with like the new landscape of that kind of thing do, do you have a preference or are there things you miss about the the label days you know hmm. i mean that world is still out there mm -hmm. for those that want it and it's probably not much harder to get signed now than it was back then you know i mean it was kind of it wasn't easy to get into that kind of level so i don't know it's kind of i i we were all very you know all the every band that kind of you know that's kind of my you know sort of age group and you know social group in leeds we were all diy people we all had you know we worked with the sisters um with, you know andy taylor or andrew eldritch as he's prefers to be known <laughs> um had his own label you know and we, he had distribution through red rhino which is part of the cartel you know that was also you know rough trade in london the probe in liverpool um fast records up in edinburgh so each town had its own little you know independent distribution based around a record shop and a warehouse but, um <clears throat> it, you know we we all managed to sort of get our stuff out there you know and with um um so it was very much a diy ethic and of course very handy for all those labels that were waiting to sign people because they could sit back and, and see who would make it up through the ranks you know and be a good bet for them hmm. and it's kind of very similar to how it is now really it's just that the, the methods of doing it have changed and obviously a lot more people have now got access to kind of be noticed if they play their cards right and you know obviously have good music mm. and um and an ability to self-promote um then it's kind of 
easier to get noticed now, but obviously the fact that there's a lot more people out there doing it, you you have, you have to fight your way through an awful lot more noise, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas back then there was you know much less, in, you know there was a, just a few gatekeepers. I mean, I'm only talking about the UK being such a small country, but it was down to just very few. You know, people like John Peel and you know the the weekly music rags were you know the pretty much it really. Yeah. <laughs> As far as as far as the marked pilots, I mean, I know you have other music outlets that we'll get to, but um, did you did you enjoy touring in the U.S. or is it is it one of yeah it was it was it was yeah it was a you know uh, very hard work for people who were doing the driving. <laughs> it is <laughs> me, William Payne, who was playing bass for us at the time, um, but very enjoyable and lovely, you know, lovely to work with. Um, Diamond and Rosie, you know, it's it's a uh, um, you know interesting thing when you've you know you've known people for that long in life, and and you get to go back and hang out and have fun <laughs> nice. doing what you love doing, you know. So it was yeah, very much so, very enjoyable thing. Um, really, you know, just like being kids again, really, in some respects. <laughs> yeah. What, uh, Tom, so like, um, Andy shared with me some of your stuff, um, you know, like last week in kind of preparation. And, uh, Uh, I was curious, how long have you been writing like media music or film scores? Because I know you, you play guitar and you played with March Violets. And, you know, can you kind of talk about like that transition from guitar into production? Uh, well, even in the Violets, I mean, we got pulled in to do a, a John Hughes movie because huh. he picked he picked a track that got you know it was our first release on London Records in I think it was eighty six or seven it got released, um, <clears throat> and yeah, he he pulled it in and um, wanted to use it and had us record a cover of that Stones track, Miss Amanda Jones, and they put that in the film and they actually flew us out and we appeared in the movie in a club scene when when the two protagonists are sort of having a, you know, a bit of an argument about something. Um, <clears throat> so it, right from even that point, um, sort of got pulled into it and I'd always been totally into film scores, even when I was a teenager, I'd bought, you know, that was what I used to buy on vinyl a lot of it. And um, then after the Violet split, I was in another band called Hard Rain that was signed to London Records as well. And um, we got we they'd been involved in a film directed by Zelda Baron, which um, never really saw the light of day, unfortunately. Okay. Um, they, I don't think they really ever got the money to completely finish the film, but we 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 um, recorded the score for it in the Brit Row Studios. With John Dupre huh. <laughs> as the musical, as producer, and kind of like doing a lot of the, the synthy stuff, and then we the band sort of wrote tracks for it and bits and pieces. So there's that as well, and that just happened by accident. You know, it wasn't like I was planning to get involved in the film. <laughs> <laughs> and then a few, you know, I guess when was it 2012? I was out uh, my son. At the time, was really into playing soccer, f- football. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, 
we uh, another boy was there there was his friend and we, i met his dad and he was a, an artist quite, you know excellent artist comic strip kind of a uh, comic illustrator kind of artist called mark maddox and he lived locally and he had a friend called um philip nutman who used to write for fangoria magazine which i was a huge fan of back in the 80s i had every oh, issue man, yeah and uh, he was the english correspondent for fangoria based in london so he said oh, i've got to get you two together and it so yeah we went and met up and and it turned out he was producing a zombie movie of uh, like a sort of um a short very disturbing zombie movie called a bed and i said well fuck why why you know i'll come and do them i'd love to do the music you know and he said yeah absolutely yeah yeah so that's how it got started and i met all these people that he was working with up in michigan and chicago <clears throat> and uh, that's kind of where it came from the, the one of the actors and the guy who edited the bed uh ended up getting a distribution deal with a small studio out in hollywood and asked me to do all these scoring for him. So that's how I ended up doing that long string of um, scores for all his films. There was about eight or nine of them, I think, huh. done in three, four years. And I'm actually working on one for him at the moment. He's he's, he's been out of out of the uh, he sort of you know stop you know had to stop and take stock of his life for a little while. Now he's back doing another one. So I'm kind of in the middle oh, of that awesome. right now. Yeah. Um, Slowly but surely. <laughs> That's very cool. That's very cool. But yeah, so it's still going on. Yeah, it's good. I mean, it's very enjoyable. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's very much enjoyed doing it. I get to work on. Well, yeah, sometimes it's just nice to work on your own on stuff. Sure. Stuff. Yeah. So, like, can you can you talk a little bit about your process for? And I, you know, hopefully, uh, I don't. You know, if you guys want to talk about other stuff, like. Go ahead and, and slap me back down. Um, <laughs> no, this is all. I'm glad you. That's a mind. Yeah, this it's is very simple. I mean, I just you know it, it, I I do all my um, composing in Ableton Live just because I've just found a really I, just, I use Ableton Live for absolutely bloody everything basically. Um, but it, it, you know I can work with video and it's easy to sync video. Mm -hmm. Um, so if somebody needs a quick trailer scoring and you need, you know, to know where hit points are and all the rest of it, they can send me a video file and it just drops it in and I can, you know, work with that and it's got great MIDI features. Mm. I tend to use a lot of, you know, sample banks using Contact and Engine 2, you know, there's there's a few um, sound sample libraries that I use, um, but it's just, you know, for orchestral stuff and, and then I just mess it all up <laughs> basically and try and find ways to make it sound not the same as what a lot of other people seem to want yeah to <laughs> so most of your work then um for the the on the film side um would you characterize as mostly synth like do you ever are you ever do you ever get the opportunity to um, go into like a studio with acoustic, you know, orchestral instruments or anything like, is that part of your, um, it's all anything like that tends to be yes, working from samples okay. or taking sounds. Yeah. Just, I mean, you know, mostly for cost really. Cause it's, I mean, you, if you've got to, you have to pay session people to come in and do stuff like that. You, all of a sure. sudden 
because they, you know, they should be getting paid well for their time. <laughs> well, you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not getting particularly well paid for my time. I can't really put right. it. Up, so. Right. Yep. <laughs> if you're working in low budget uh, movies, it's yeah, you know, that's just not going to yeah. happen. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's. But yeah, you know, there's been times on some of them. I've you know I've been able to pull in stuff, even like stuff that was never used for the violets. You know, you you know messed around with some of that and pulled it in, and you know you know don't think I used any acoustic guitars. I used some electric guitars and stuff and, and bass mm-hmm. for some of it. Um, tends to get you know really mashed up and changed <laughs> in Ableton. <Yeah. laughs> Even if it goes in sounding like something you know that you'd expect to hear, it, it comes out the other end not being that. Oh, for sure. <laughs> you got a nice little effects chain going. <laughs> yeah, or just the uh, some of the, um, the built-in plugins in in live. You know, very good for for mashing stuff up. And the fact that you can just change pitch and reverse stuff and turn it upside down or whatever. Yeah, yeah that's very cool. <laughs> yeah. Do you still do? Do I mean? Do you do any uh, original stuff on the guitar for your? Uh, on your, I guess not I've so much. Got, I've got a pool of of stuff that I've kind of that I keep dipping into that I've got that I'm doing for no specific reason really. Just kind of yeah. I think the hardest thing is I mean, I'm, when when it comes to band stuff, I'm very much like to uh, work with other people, and I still ha- just haven't found. Um, people yet that i would really 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 want to work with or that could you know if you know what i'm saying yeah it's like um so yeah just building up i mean i've you know there's a few songs um you know and ideas just sitting around that um i I keep going and playing with but i have i'm not in any huge rush to sort of do that really it's kind of there was a time maybe 10 years ago when i felt i really should be doing more of that but um with the studio sort of starting to take off I, don't, I generally don't have time <laughs> to sort of, uh, yeah, you know, put the effort into that. You know, I tend and I enjoy, to be quite honest, I enjoy working on other people's sort of musical ideas and directions as much as I do that anyway. So I get the same kind of um, enjoyment and you know, good vibes out of you know working with people on their stuff. Speaking of that, uh, uh, and I I feel bad because I forgot to give Reed enough homework uh, about the band uh, Tears for the Dying, and I know that you oh, yeah, yeah. worked on there. Yeah, I yeah. really like their sound. They're just such a beautiful sound. The record it, was just so beautifully produced. Um, uh, do Do you yeah. have any more to say about to share or kind of start from the beginning? Like who are how did you come across them and and describe well, them? Well, they were introduced to me by oh, let me I'm trying to remember. Um, I think the first guy who came in to record here, um, Stephen Fitzpatrick and Unis Mundus, was like kind of experimental heavy metal death rock kind of thing. And they, they were the first guys to come in. And as after I think we'd finished recording um, you know, the first album that I did with him, he'd mentioned Adria. And, and I think I'd. Trey, who who sings and is kind of the, the lead guy in entertainment in Atlanta, he'd mentioned her, and it just kind of you know, <clears throat> I forget what happened. They'd, um, I think I just went to see. Yeah, I just went downtown to see him play a show, and and introduced myself, and and we just went from there, you know. And they wanted to do a 
as Caron was the first release that I did with them. And um, yeah, I just you know, I went to see him a few times, and you know we chatted a fair bit, and then they came in and just banged it down, you know. Um, and that, and that's yeah, that's been you know a really fun relationship, you know, working with those girls. Excellent. <laughs> yeah, that's it's so hard to to in my own opinion, not even being a musician, so maybe unfair to say, but when you get into what might be a, a goth genre, you could get into a lot of cliche and like kind of preposterous soundings that people don't know the nuances i guess and this was such the opposite this was just and of course it makes sense because with your assistance but their natural abilities as well oh yeah uh, i mean they're great songs great lyrics and it just sounds completely fresh to me i mean the way she approaches vocals um it, it just all kind of yeah it, and it's catchy you know and uh it kind of reminds me, I mean, the nice thing about working with all these different people at the moment is it all reminds me of my of my youth <laughs> when, uh, you know, we were all just getting started in Leeds and Leeds, you know, I'm a big fan of certain times have got a, um, you know, there's something about it and the, gr- and the group of people within an area all working together all at the same time, all with similar ideals an artistic sort of outlook kind of creates, you know, um, just a really cool environment to be involved with. And I think that Leeds had that circa 19, well, it started, you know, sort of Gang of Four, Delta Five, Mekons, all that kind of student activisty, post punk, just after punk kind of vibe, mm-hmm. which drew me to Leeds, you know, when I went to college there. And but half the reason I went to Leeds was to go and form a band with an old schoolmate, you know. And um and then the goth thing, you know, a lot of people say, well, Leeds Leeds is Gotham City, you know, it's where the sisters came from, it's where uh the violets, the red, red lorry, yellow lorry, blah blah blah, dance society in Barnsley just down the M1. You know, Southern Death Cult in Bradford, just over the hill. <laughs> it kind of, you know, there was a, a specific kind of thing happening at the same time, and I kind of get the same similar vibe of Athens and Atlanta at the moment. I, I think it, maybe it's more of a, just a general thing in, in around the country or the world or whatever. But it, there's definitely like a, a specific little scene growing up in Athens and Atlanta at the moment, and. For some reason, I seem to be working with a lot of a lot of the people who are part of that. You know, which is great. I love that sort of thing. It's um, you know, great to feel part of a group of cool and intelligent mm. people. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. <laughs> I concur. <laughs> what I can't. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. I'm just I'm just in awe of hearing like what all this going on at once. I mean, it's very similar to talking about the Athens of the 80s but you know there were pockets like that all over the UK and and here might have only existed in a handful of cities where you know we were caught up in disco and pop 80s stuff and you know it was just yeah well, I, can, I can remember in Leeds you know um B52s and Pylon were were totally you know we're getting played at the phono which is where we all used to go and get well, after the pub was shot, I said, I'll be going full over drunk, trying to dance. And there was a DJ there called Claire Shearsby, who looked a bit like Debbie Harry, and she was Andrew Eldridge's girlfriend, and she was a DJ with a fab 
DJed at the phono. And that's where the, I think that might have been the first time I heard Parlour was when she played it. And she'd always she'd always finish the night with a B-52s track. Planet Claire, I think. Nothing to do with the fact that she was where, where it, you know, that, and that was Athens, just Athens coming all the way over. Wow. Back in 80, 79, 80, 81 to Leeds and firing all us off, you know, at the time. Because we, you know, that was, I think half the reason the Violets had a girl singer and a boy singer is because of the B-52s. Hmm. <laughs> That's, what a fun, what a fun connection. We're just, I feel like yeah. Reed and I are just skipping through history and time with all these stuff. <laughs> yeah, just a new jumping, you know. Well, and like the weird thing is, is like the B-52s, who I would never have expected, is kind of right now like the connective tissue between, uh, between like the recent conversations we've had. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, they, I mean, they were such an amazing band. When you go and listen to... So those certainly those first two albums, it's it's, it's just genius, you know. Yeah. Really. <laughs> so brilliant. And Pylon, you know, I mean, I, to be, I mean, I, you know, I've always liked REM. I've got to say, but I, you know, if I was going to pick my two favorite bands from Athens, it would be the B52s and Pylon, without a doubt. And... They're in another league. Yeah, I mean, even though REM were absolutely brilliant, they, it wasn't groundbreakingly different. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> And you you live in Athens now, is it correct, Tom? Yes, yeah, well, you know, about twelve miles outside. How, so, how did you like? How did you get from the UK to the states, and then end up in like the the mecca of Athens? <laughs> <laughs> well, I I was touring. I was playing guitar for a band called um, Clan of Zymox, a Dutch band, goth band, originally on Four AD. And I just, you know, this was like, oh, what was, it? was it 91? Yeah. And um, and I just, yeah, I just, we would start, we did a big US tour and we started in Athens. We had, we did our pre-production at the 40 watt during the daytime. And then we did a show there and then we, just, you know, went off in the bus. But, um, but I met my future wife <laughs> uh, at the Georgia bar, I believe it was, and a couple of nights before we played. <laughs> and, um, and that's how I ended up here. Wow! <laughs> awesome. What 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 year was that? Did you say ninety one? Wow. Okay. And so yeah, and I came. I moved over here in ninety two or January ninety one. I was here for about a, just under a year, and then I dragged my wife back to London for ten years, and we started having kids over there. And then that we you know we we had, we just thought, well, let's move back to. Athens, where the land is cheap, <laughs> the properties mm-hmm. are cheap, and um, and have more space, you know. So, yeah, moved back to, back to Athens in two thousand and one. Yeah, and you you recently just, if you don't mind me sharing this, I know you recently com- completed a a pool project. Oh, swimming pool! Yes. Yeah, oh yeah. Don't ever build your own swimming pool. <laughs> <laughs> Even though. We, you know, it's been great to have it, but yeah, we we saved a lot of money by um, basically doing all the bits that we could physically do ourselves ourselves. It looks amazing, or it looks from the photographs. Yeah, yeah. It looks uh, lovely. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, it's in the summer here, yeah, I can't imagine not having it. You know, it gets so hot. Oh yes, and and, and during the pandemic, it's been great to have because people can 
could come and hang out and be out oh, nice. and not be worried about and nice. you know so great for you know seeing other human beings yeah. Well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and i think it did it's gone into a vision video video shoot as well so i think it got used <laughs> so cool. yeah. <laughs> so um so you've been working a, a, on a lot of like film scores um and and stuff like that what like what are you working on now i know you talked a little bit about the uh the one film score that's kind of uh, reviving some life now what 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 kind of stuff are you doing now and what's well, like what's coming out soon uh as in like film stuff well I, i'm not sure if i'm supposed to to talk about the film stuff yet. it's a movie it's a very early stages and I, I know i think he's got most of his principal photography done but he, he dan takes an awe you know just spends a lot of time with the editing and he's doing it all with rotoscoping oh wow so it's a very time consuming yeah. process and I've, I've seen a trailer for it and um it looks amazing you know it's beautiful and very stylized so what i'm trying to do with it is to create some music that kind of um isn't yours bog stand. It's kind of a medieval fantasy mystery kind of family film, I think, as opposed to a lot of the other stuff that he's done, which is all very horrific and you know, kind of more, much more um, darker. So I'm I'm trying to do a, a, some music that kind of um, still has all those elements of sort of medieval hijinks and and fun and <clears throat> all the rest of it, but not be too Hollywood and not be too, you know, cliche and all the rest of it. So, you know, referencing, you know, Tangerine Dream in, on Legend, you know, that score and um, a few other things. You're talking our language over here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so kind of, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not sure whether he will like it. We'll see. I'm, I'm, I haven't really sent him any of this stuff yet. I've been trying to do separate themes for a character, for each character in certain locations. I'm not going to send it until I've kind of got uh, a, a sort of a whole thing, so to speak, as opposed to just sending his and ideas and ideas and ideas. I think it's going to be better for him if he gets kind of a whole oral picture of what I would have in mind for it. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, kind of really minimalist, you know. But it's taken me longer to do the minimalist stuff than it is when you to when you throw the kitchen sink mm. in because you can't mask anything. You can't, you know, thing has the thing has to work on its yeah. own. So I'm having to be much more self-critical about what I'm doing with it. Whereas before, you could kind of, you know, it was all very much a, a kind of busy, I suppose you yeah. call it. Lots going on, you know. Um, so interesting. Yes, I'm kind of, you know, it's like a an interesting exercise for me just to do a much more naked kind of score you know how much like how much what what, how would you weight um like the direction you're given and like the collaborative process you know as far as when you're creating it how much of it kind of goes through the grinder and then comes out the way you intended it or like you know how much is malleable half and half half and half really i mean Dan tends to, when he's editing, he might even, you know, change timings on things, speed it up, slow it down, because obviously these days you can manipulate the audio 
you know when you're editing just as much as you can you know the video side of it so thing you know it's kind of a two-way sort of thing you yeah. know which I'm, you know, it's fine by me. I think whatever makes the director happy is what he's paying for. <laughs> you know? So that's, you know, um, as long as it doesn't turn into something that I feel I shouldn't get credited for, that's that'd be uh, my only sort of, you know, argument for for not doing that. But you know, that's never happened. And um, I mean, a lot of the other scores that I did for him, we, you know, I did virtually blind. I'd see, I'd, you know, have a script, and. Um, he would tend to, you know, wait to get the music before um, editing the film in some respects, uh-huh. I think. I think that's how he was doing it, you know. So it's kind of a bit like that Morricone um, and Sergio Leone sort of um, hmm. approach. I think that's how they, uh, how the, some of those films are made. But, I, you know, it's a bit, you know, it, Either it works or it doesn't, you know. I think otherwise, yeah, that working that way, the music tends to take over a bit too mm. much of the, you know, of the, you know, what ends up being created. I think, but you know, I think with this one, I'm going to be, you know, it'll, the music will be much more minimal, and um, you, you might end up having to use it as it is. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> I mean, when you, you know, it's just, just everything you do is always different. Every recording session is different, you know, when you're dealing with different people and all that sure. bit. So, um, yeah, impossible, I guess. Are you, are you still writing, <laughs> um, like, I don't mean to call it pop music, but like popular music versus film score. Are you still working on, um, that kind of genre too? Not really. I mean, I've, I've got material that I've had sitting around that was for Violet stuff that we, you know, we do, which we didn't ultimately end up using, and um, bits and pieces. But I haven't, I haven't felt particularly, um, uh, what's the word, um, bothered about doing anything with it because I'd need to find some, you know, some people to work with that would um, complement it. If you know what I mean, and I, I come from quite a different. Now, having said that, these days things have changed around Athens. But to be quite honest, when I first came to Athens, I didn't really meet any people I felt I could work with, just because it was such a different outlook on how to approach music and just a different, just a you know, just different mm-hmm. really. And I, I, I wasn't, yeah, I just it, it kind of you know, it's just that's there's just certain things about how people, people just be happy to play a gig and in front of three people and yeah. um. Not, <laughs> Who disciplined about it and blah blah blah, and it's yeah. I just uh, you know, this, I'd rather certainly at my age now, I'd rather just stay at home and watch telly and do that. <laughs> <laughs> like, what's the bloody point, yeah. you know? <laughs> so, and yeah, just stylistically, musically, there wasn't much going on or people all around that I felt, oh yeah, I've got to work with them. Um, I was working for a little while with a. A band called Pale Pose, up until just before the COVID thing hit, and as a, a, a singer, uh, a mate of mine, Kyle, who had written, had done a brilliant solo album, basically, just recorded it in his house, and um, and brought it to me to mix it, you know, and um, I thought I thought it was absolutely brilliant you know really stylized and he, he's the first person i'd met here who i thought hang on a minute yeah I, I could yeah this i could see this 
going somewhere, you know, because he was just really good and really stylized and some great lyrics, great atmosphere, really dark, some mm. of it. Some of it quite experimental. And, you know, we and we just started to, to, you know, to go out and do a few little gigs and then COVID hit. Oh, man. <laughs> oh. And, um, and, and, and but I, again, I could also see that it wasn't, you know, even even how great it was, it needed some discipline um, to make things happen and, you know, make it work. And I much prefer to, you know, you have to deal with, you know, it, it, it should have been more of a, just a, what I should have said to him, look, I'll do, do some sort of production deal with you where we just work on the stuff on our own and then we bring it to a band when everything's sort of like set in stone and we've got, the style and the look and blah blah all that nonsense yeah. um, but i you know i i didn't do it. i didn't approach it that <laughs> way so it all kind of you know got a bit too you know just um, a bit lackadaisical or whatever sure. so but that's just yeah that's just something that, that you, you you know after x number of years doing it, it doing music you learn that you there's just certain things you have to have right up front before you're gonna spend a bunch of time doing something, you know. Otherwise, you just yeah, it can be great fun. But you know, <laughs> I've done gigs before, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> doing it just to do gigs. <laughs> yeah, that's something. That's I, something I, I, that seems. I'm sorry, carry on. Oh no, no. I was just thinking that 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 maybe with age is one of the things I think about. Like when you when you try to discern whether or not you're just playing around, and at some point you reach a point like uh, it's got to be worthwhile and not not that you're doing it just for money but that's kind of a good barometer like is it going to be you know uh, you, have, wanna... you have to have some i mean yeah when i was you know 17 18 when you know when the violence died we weren't doing it for any other reason and we didn't really know anything else how to do anything else really that was it <laughs> that's what we'd chosen to do and luckily, back then we had, you know, you had support from the DHSS and housing benefits, so you didn't have to, you know, work a terrible job to pay you, you know, to survive while you were doing it. So you could put all that time into into your art, you know. So we were really lucky in the UK. That's another thing that hardly gets written about is how the DHSS and council, local council housing benefit, almost funded all, you know, all that stuff because people, you know could afford to eat and you know drink <laughs> and make their art hmm. wow well that that is interesting because of the the what was happening here I, I i'm not trying to be a historian or philosopher or anything but i feel like the comparison with um by and large what was happening here was um a lot of success in inner cities where they were relying on turntables and making the music out of minimal, minimal uh, effort. Not, yeah. not in terms was, of, it, right? Yeah, that's very interesting because because it would take less time to 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 put beats together like that. And you had your, you know, everything, all your source material was already there. You just needed a microphone mm -hmm. and a and a loudspeaker. Yeah, to, and then the, it's and somebody to, to hand the deck. We we certainly didn't get, or still don't get, that kind of any kind of support like that from our from our government here. Well, so. and I don't think, <laughs> to be quite honest, that it's like that there now. You know, I mean, 
yeah. many years of Margaret Thatcher put paid to that, you know. I mean, it's still, you know, help is still there for people, but but it's not like it was. I mean, we, we would fill in our holiday forms at the DSS and could get out of the country for two weeks and go into America. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, not this is. I know it's a tangent, not really the focus of um, starting to learn about Thatcher and what went on in the '80s was really interesting. How that changed things. Yes, um, yeah, it did. I mean, you could you could feel. <clears throat> I mean, there was such a marked difference between the '70s and the '80s in just the way, stylistically and um, politically. It's just mm -hmm. it was stunning. When was the last time the March Violets came to the U.S.? Um, we oh, oh god, it was 2015. We toured. We did um, East Coast, and um, man, what did we start it? Yeah, we started. That's right. We were up in Chicago rehearsing. William Faith was playing bass for us. The time he's yeah he lived in Chicago, so we were there for a couple of weeks rehearsing, and then we went around and up and down the east coast, down through Washington, down to Atlanta, and had a week off at my place, and then we just went west through Texas, and then up up middle, <laughs> and back oh. Chicago, and um, yeah, that was that was twenty fifteen. That was six years ago. Good lord. Was that like a re reunion tour? Or like, how did you guys get back together? Well, we, I mean, the Violets had sort of originally split in 87, having been through various, you know, people, you know, leaving the band through there. It kind of, you know, it was a kind of a messy kind of personnel story, mm -hmm. really. And not in the good, not in generally good way. <laughs> but we, we um, yeah, 2007 is when... Um, the band got back together and I got back in touch with Simon. I, he was doing the MIDI stuff, the Sisters of Mercy touring in the US. And we just thought, fuck it, why don't we just, um, you know, it's been 30 years or whatever. Just go go back and have some fun with it, you know. So that's what we did. And we had a, we did a big home called the Homecoming show in Leeds at Leeds, what used to be called Leeds Polytechnic, uh, you know, in the refectory there, you mm -hmm. know. Um, and about, I mean, about seven or eight hundred people show up for that, and everything was, you know, we were ready to go again. And poor old Rosie got throat cancer, oh. and yeah, and which was a bit of a blow, mostly for her, but obviously, you know, we, we felt it was terrible for all yeah. of us. And um, so we 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 put it on ice for a little while and let her recover, and she recovered fully, and she's been, you know, clear ever since you know and still you know, and also a very successful novelist oh, great. <laughs> but um she <laughs> we after yeah after three years we thought hell you know we'll we'll get it back together again and we and we organized um another big show in london um at the o2 and did that and then um yeah we kind of off and on every year we'd go out we'd do european festivals and festivals in the uk and little tour just little short jaunts you know yeah six shows over on the continent whatever and um we got i think the first us one was in 2014 we went and played um 
Oh, what's it called again? Convergence in Chicago. Convergence twenty. We headlined one of the nights for that, and 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 that's you know it's lovely because I, I do like Chicago. <laughs> I have a lot of friends up there, and um, and I've got and all the music. I'm sorry, all the film guys are up there up around Michigan as well. So I know a lot of them came down for that. I remember, but yeah. So I mean, yeah, that was the first time. I think the last time we played the US was eighty seven. Before that, so it was a big gap. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> How was it? Sorry, yeah, go ahead, Andy. No, no, I was just um, talking about thinking about Chicago because um, mm. it's one of the um, kind of one of the few hold not holdouts is kind of a weird way to say it, but the in terms of the goth scene or dark scene, um, there's not a lot of cities that, that kind of support. Bit of a thing there, wasn't it? I seem to remember going to some first time we played. We got some. Oh no, I'm thinking Detroit. I'm thinking Detroit. My brain. Oh yeah, Detroit is <laughs> Detroit is techno, and Chicago yeah. has had its basically house around yeah. the same time. Oh, um, right. <laughs> See what getting old does to you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like when you guys did your tour, then your your kind of homecoming tour. Um, how was it f- getting back in touch with like all the people out there? And then, I guess sub question: Like, did you guys did you have a manager that helped with the tour, or did you guys have like work all that out yourselves? Pretty much worked all out ourselves. I mean, when when we. Um... The, the weirdest thing about it was, was you know, as far as getting back in touch with old fans and stuff like that, was that Facebook had just arrived on the scene. And um, I can remember, uh, you know, this is when they were testing all their algorithms for, you know, how they would monetize their situation. But they uh, back in those days, in 2010, I remember we'd, we'd, we'd set up a show at the O2 in London and, I know five, six hundred people said they were going to show up. You know, we'd, we'd invited on Facebook, and plus or minus ten percent. That's exactly what happened. Mm. And you could literally recognise the faces at the gig. You know, <laughs> and of course the other thing was that the 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 um, fi- yeah, finding people that you hadn't seen in thirty odd years who you you know who you used to see at the pub or you know occasionally chat to, but then bang, they're back again. You know, thirty years later, it was very odd. Huh. <laughs> you know, and and so you know, you got. You, I know, you know, I have a lot of disputes with Facebook over quite a few things, but that is one of the that would blew my mind really when I when I realised how how powerful that algorithm was, yeah. and they could affect the real world in such a way. But I mean, it was tremendously useful in 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 being able to promote and not pay anyone. <laughs> yeah. um, because it was this is when it was all free. Yeah. Um. To you know to yeah crazy you know and and, and very enjoyable you know I mean I remember you know we had a lot of fun between sort of 2010 2015 you know we had a good run of it you know. Question is kind of a silly question or maybe like a stupid question. Um, I'm just asking like kind of objectively. Uh, you, you guys define yourself as post-punk not goth right as, um, as far as march yeah I, I think because when we i mean if you, you have to think about what we were listening to right when we formed the band and obviously everyone had different 
you know, different um, taste stomach then, but quite a lot of it coincided as well. So you would, I would say, have you know, certainly the psychedelic thirds, certainly gang of four, uh, even a certain ratio, certainly the Stooges, certainly <laughs> um, yeah. our house, definitely Joy Division, definitely. So I mean, it's hard. Yeah, it's a weird one. I mean, I, I you know. The only goth band I think I was really listening to at that time would have been Bauhaus. I wouldn't have called Joy Division goth, even though because it, yeah. it hadn't that word wasn't there, it didn't exist. That wasn't. I mean, we just thought of them yeah. Joy Division. You know, that was it. Um, well, I know that's a com- I know that's a complicated question. I know that. <laughs> I know that it was a very interesting time to be in a band because you could because things happened so quickly and people would. You know, new bands would spring up that kind of changed the zeitgeist and all the rest of it. Um, we, yeah, the birthday party, I guess that was another one. Um, <clears throat> but um, Bowen, oh, of yeah. course, you know, was always lurking. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I mean, I'd, I mean, we definitely, you know, I mean, it was when you look at the imagery that, that especially Simon and Rosie had going, it, it's, it's more of a goth look. But I don't think it was anything that anyone was, you know, you know, really working, thinking about. Really, I mean, we just, you know, we just made them yeah. that we felt felt right. <laughs> yeah, and I, yeah, no, I get, I understand that that that's that's kind of like where the sweet spot is because you can. I mean, for me, my my interpretation of it has to do with not the genre of music, but the the mood. So then, you know, kind oh, yeah. kind of deep. Yeah, like even DJing or curating a night, you're pulling in things from all over that fit that aesthetic and not just fit yeah, that definition. From all the different periods of time as well, you know, it's, it goes back a long yeah. way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, it was, it was a, you know, I can I say this to a lot of the guys that I work with now, the bands, you know, what, a, you know, it was, it was, I get asked about it quite a lot. What was it like to be in Leeds? right at that time when everything was just kicking off and i just say well it's fucking brilliant actually i i can remember more of it than i probably should be able to (laughs) (laughs) amazing uh yeah considering what we used to do um uh, yeah it was you know it really was it was it felt you know I, I, i think what Thinking about this the other day, there was I, used, I remember walking into the Faversham one time at lunchtime, and there was a Human League track came on, the first track on Dare, is it? I think. Dream, this is what dreams are made of, and it was, and it kind of was, you know, it was like, um, everything, you know, when you know everything that we wanted to achieve, you know, we were doing it, <laughs> mm. very, you know, very early in our lives. <laughs> so you can't get better than that. And that's what yeah, that's what Leeds was for a lot of people, you know. So, do you feel like, do you feel, do you ever feel the itch that you need to get back out there and 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 like very occasionally, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I yeah. I mean, you I mean the violets? I mean, no, I mean the violets is is not gonna be uh, you know happening thing again. I, I don't know if you guys know, but Simon had a very bad stroke in twenty sixteen. Which I think nearly nearly killed him, really, and and um, yeah, I mean, you know, we just couldn't, you know, it's not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> I get that. Yeah, there won't be any more. Yeah, we don't. There won't be any more violent stuff happening. 
though there'll probably be you know there'll be some some releases i think um there might be some vinyl stuff coming out you know back catalogy maybe bbc session stuff oh cool i'm working on at the moment but um yeah there won't be any um live stuff i do you know there's just no point it wouldn't be right sure sure <laughs> What you're doing now, then the uh, the production side and the and the media music side, you feel like that's going to be a pretty a pretty nice niche to kind of take take you yeah, off into I'm the now, sunset. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, I don't have to go out. I'd have to you know get up at you know be working till two a.m. Get up at seven to drive twelve hours to a <laughs> to a gig. Right. <laughs> yeah, you can just kind of like hang out at your workstation. Yeah, yeah. sounds great. <laughs> well, you can you can go and visit people who are out on the road you know mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and have the fun side of it <laughs> yeah but i mean no, i mean i'd I, you know I, I don't know i just don't i you know I, I, I definitely have you know and i'm very much enjoying having people in just hanging out just friends basically it's like that's what we've got now this kind of you know, yeah group of friends are all kind of doing a similar i'll send you some links yeah. to everything after this um, oh please yeah yeah um it, it, it you know it just you know it's a nice it's a very nice situation to be in i'm lucky you know <laughs> yeah yep. yeah well i i feel like um this this kind of going to be a permanent scar with after covid with with kind of you know not everything will be about the live show I'm, i've seen a not to say that this was successful past year but um it could evolve uh i've seen some online streams and concerts mm-hmm. that as it's not it's certainly not the same never gonna re- be a replacement but um i think there's a a place for that that could mature oh i think i think that, you know, there's, i mean there's, and there's virtual reality becomes more technically advanced i mean you can imagine you know what technology could do with that over the next 20 or 30 years you know Yep. Yes, yeah. for sure. But at the moment, it's a different, a different, totally different sort of thing than seeing a band live because you can't feel the kick drum in your gut. You know, <laughs> really well, ridiculous. Unless they most of them right, the music they... on their phones and headphones these days, anyway. So they so Ugh. I know, but <laughs> right, they do I, I horribly com- <laughs> horribly compressed music on your white earbuds. <laughs> Portable Bluetooth speaker, you know. That's what <laughs> <it easy>. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> but you know, I think the live thing will come back. You know, I mean, there's just too much infrastructure and experience yes. In, yes, in that whole thing. And people, you know, can you imagine what's going to be? You know, the first gig you go to again, like me. You know, everyone's going to want to be at mm-hmm. that gig, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah. Too many it, people. It, yeah, too many people love that escape to have it not exist anymore. Yeah. Oh, it'll be back. Yeah. And I mean, it might, you know, they probably, I mean, you know, they've, they've cancelled Glastonbury again, which is highly predictable. But, you know, next year, Glastonbury might happen. And once that happens, it's all back on again. Because if they feel safe doing it, if Glastonbury feels safe putting it back on, I think, I think by, you know, summer next year will be, you know, it should be relatively. Yeah. Yeah, forward. yeah. You've had one year of competent government for a start in the United States. <laughs> that, won't do <laughs> that is true. Uh, 
Well, least, yeah, it's it's been it's been problem like it's been a shame that we've had to deal with that. Just just you know, and I won't even say politics aside because that was part of it, and it, and it shouldn't be. Um, I I would love I would love to be there for Glastonbury next. Reed, you, you and I should head out there for that. Absolutely. That's something else. Absolutely. I've only heard stories. I, I ran. Well, me and a friend uh, were stage managers on Pyramid Stage on on Glastonbury '98. That was an experience. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I've never been so tired in my life after doing those three days. It was ridiculous. But it was, you know, it was a lot of fun. You know, I could, standing like five foot away from Bob Dylan while he's washing his hands, you know. Like, hey, Bob Dylan. <laughs> Where do you want the mixing desk? Yeah, they bought an entire, you know, 48-channel mixing desk up for their monitors, an entire monitor system just for him. So we had to replace everything that was on that stage. Oh, and, and a Hammond B3 as well. Mm, mm. <laughs> but, you know, it was Bob Dylan, so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> whatever. Whatever he wants. <laughs> you know, as I, as I said, like, I'm not a musician. I, I'm just a, D, which, a DJ is obviously not a musician. I just I just hoard music, and I just love to hoard people and music. Yeah, <laughs> and I just, whatever, anyone's doing anything interesting. Yeah. I, just... oh, it's, I mean, it's the best thing about human beings is, is the art they make. <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Pretty much. Very cool. What does that say about humans that don't create things? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They just consume and complain. <laughs> well, it was really, uh, really special to talk to you. I'm really glad to to talk again. I hope I'm glad to see you. You're doing well. Um, Cheers, man. It's good to just, hear you. Hear from you. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad, Reed, and I'm glad you're a part of this too, and and got a chance to talk. I appreciate yeah, thank it. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Uh, thanks very much. Thanks yeah. for having me. All right. <laughs> again. All right. <laughs> Bye, Take, guys. Care. Take care. Man. Have a good one.